Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, uh, which is a beacon of Jehovah, and the only beacon of Jehovah since at least 1874. No, wait, 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 wait. I could have sworn it was 1914 that the beacon started. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, before we get into the Jehovah's Witness insanity... Let's yeah. let's start some of our uh, let's go over some of our reviews. And a while back, we talked about uh, our listeners sending us uh, international reviews, so we yeah. got some. Well, see, the reason why I, I should explain this to our, our listeners: the reason why we are doing international uh, uh, reviews is is because you guys are punishing us here at Religiosity for taking a month off because we haven't had any new reviews here in America. And so yeah. because of that, we have to start searching the world for reviews. Yeah, we're stuck at 59 reviews. <laughs> yeah, we can't seem to break 60. <laughs> yeah, it'd be all right if we got stuck at 69. 59 is a little embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is what I propose. Uh, all of our viewers go out, get us up to 69, and then from there, stop, stop. giving reviews. We are <laughs> In fact, all around the world, get us to 69, we're golden. All right, uh, let's start with uh, one of our German reviews that was sent in by... Yeah, a, now, this uh, one I found to be very interesting. Uh, would you like to read it? You're, you're better at it. Yeah, uh, it's a five-star review, and it goes like this. Dieser Podcast wird von zwei Hemmeligen Mormonen aus Utah gemacht. No idea what that means. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you very much for bringing that to our attention. It's got to be good, though, because it's five stars. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm just trying to figure out what Munchmal Weirden Gast. <laughs> Are, are you talking about bodily fluids at this point? <laughs> we we probably ought to put it in the babble fish, but I'm far too lazy for that. Yeah, yeah. We can't even get off our asses to do anything, so why would you send us this in German? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got any English-speaking international reviews? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've I've got a favorite one coming from Tim Danaher. Now, uh, now Tim is actually he became one of our apostles by donating money, and uh, he also sent us this review where it says, "I laughed until a little bit of we came out." <laughs> <laughs> My goal has now been fulfilled. I always wanted yep. to make someone laugh until they peed. We, now, we can retire now. We can retire. Uh, now you guys can continue punishing us because we're not doing any more. <laughs> well, this is what Tim has to say. They're a pair of very naughty boys, are Charlie and Leighton. Charlie is a doctor, friend to humanity, selflessly healing the sick and saving lives. That's true. While Leighton is a professional Billy Bob Thornton impersonator and poster <laughs> boy for the politically incorrect whose mouth probably fills up with water when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. He's got to be one of uh, but, uh, That is so true. Uh, Every uh, part of that. All I've got to know is, uh, who is Billy Bob Thornton, and why am I impersonating him? You really don't watch movies or TV, do you? Uh, sometimes. Angelina Jolie was going out with Billy Bob a while back. They both had, like, vials of each other's blood around their neck. He's in... Um, he was in Monsters Ball, I think, with Halle Berry. I never found Halle Berry that attractive. I never watched it. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Moving Jesus. onward. What? I didn't. 
uh, from Australia. Uh, one of my favorites is "Good on You Guys" by Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on you too, mate. <laughs> this podcast is fantastic, super funny, and I would rather worship you fellas than some imaginative sky god. Uh, you know, I can't disagree with that either. I believe we should start demanding tithes from this man. That's not a bad idea. You know, I think uh, 80% of your income is fair because if you think about it, that's like us allowing you to keep 20% of what we give you. Yes, yes. Now, this is our charitable gift to you. 20% yes. to you, 80% to us. And you're, think of all the rewards you're going to stack up in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we've also got one from Gamma Goblin Oid, and uh, he says, Boney Moroni. <laughs> he actually says, we're entertaining hosts and, and an understanding, irreverent attitude to the great pink pixie in the sky and its strange followers. Now, he does have a gripe that uh, Charlie reads quotes too fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably ought to slow down when I'm reading quotes. We got we got so much stuff to to uh, yeah. squish in here, and it seems like that's the most boring part is when you're reading. But I I, yeah. I suppose if you can't understand what I'm saying, <laughs> I should probably <laughs> slow down. Well, it's, it's because of your whiny voice. When you start whining <laughs> in fast forward, it's very it's... difficult to understand. I can only understand because we've been friends for so long. It's my training as an auctioneer that's probably the the root of the problem. <laughs> well, stop selling it and just read it. <laughs> All right, moving on to Wait. the... What? We got more? Well, I was going to point out that, uh, you know, Charlie and I, in the last, uh, last podcast we did, we were talking about the podcast awards. And, oh, uh, we got to go over this. Yeah, now... Uh, Charlie and I, unbeknownst to our listeners, have been making fun of the podcast awards. We've been teasing it about being in this little podunk little thing, and it yeah, I wasn't. Thought, a... I thought it was just this little rinky-dink thing. You know, how else could we get on there? <laughs> yeah, that was that was my exact thought too. Who the hell out there is going to put us on this thing? We ain't even been around for an entire year. But then I went to the site and found out that they had 3,500 podcasts submitted and that this is a huge ordeal. <laughs> yeah, apparently they, they had like this committee of podcast listeners that went through something like 3,500 sites. They had something like 3 million page views during the time these things were being nominated. Good. And out of that, only what, 6%? That's 6% got on there? are of 6%. Now what I love is the dude, as he was doing his little video podcast about when voting starts, he gets to the religion one and uh, our podcast isn't named off as one of them. Yeah, there's a list of like eight and he reads six of them. And <laughs> we're one of the two he doesn't mention. Why? Because he can't pronounce our name. That's why. Quite possible. Eat he it. doesn't want to embarrass himself. <laughs> so I would like to say thank you to more than just the listener we said thank to thank you to last time because we discovered that, that it actually took more than one person to submit us to this thing. And we will try to continue to give it the proper respect that we here around Irreligiosophy give it <laughs> all things. So podcast awards. Um, we will sacrifice a virgin to you sometime. Absolutely. And apparently, um, you... <laughs> what? I don't know if we want to uh, sacrifice a virgin, because watching that video, it seemed like he was a virgin. <laughs> so you're thinking we should ship him a virgin? 
<laughs> he might get offended. <laughs> well, maybe we could uh, sacrifice the virgin and then ship it to him because I hear dead girls don't say no. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you Why does it have to be a coming. female? You... Why can't we sacrifice a virgin male? Well... Going with uh, geekdom here, you and I are professional geeks. Um, most of us, I would assume, are heterosexual. Can't assume wow. that. I'm going to shoot myself in the foot <laughs> even trying to make that joke, so I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> All right. Seriously, you can vote for us once a day up until, I think, the end of November, right? Yep, yep. And if you don't, we will find an altar boy and a virgin, probably in the age range of nine in this day and age, but we will sacrifice them both. To Jehovah, actually. Um, yes, yes. They will be the first things to enter our door, and we will sacrifice that's them. That's right. If we win, <laughs> first Whatever thing to greet me at the door, door. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sacrifice and send to the podcast award, dude. Yes, yes. I think that's um, fair. All right, now that we've given the podcast awards their their proper respect, let's let's move <laughs> into this week's podcast, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now there have been multiple requests for a podcast on Jehovah's Witnesses, and we've been putting this off because the research on the Seventh Day Adventists was so uh, excruciating. Yeah, I just it couldn't nearly take kills. anymore. Nearly so kills. we after a month. <laughs> A month we took off and rested. Uh, we're raring to go, and we've done a bunch of research on Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, it's it's all, always you can never do enough, right? Yeah, it's no, almost, almost like you don't finish the research; you just kind of decide to abandon it and and go from there. Yeah, um, but, but here's here's our research. Layton probably did about eight minutes of research. I put in serious amounts of time here. Unless I have to crack open a Bible, I don't do much research. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. So why don't we hear what you've got to cover? Come on, bring it forward. The Jehovah's Witnesses trace their roots back to the Adventists. So this kind of actually takes off on our last episode, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Although the Witnesses themselves, much like Mormons, will say uh, that they'll trace their roots back all the way to Adam. <laughs> Adam was the first <laughs> Jehovah's Witness because they're... So. They're the one true religion, right? Of course. We've got a, a, a new dispensation of the Jehovah's Witnesses, which yeah. makes me wonder, if they can trace themselves back that far, why is it there are only 17 million of them in this day and age? Why aren't there more? I thought there were only like 11 million. Well, what we got is they've got a convention attendance of over 12 oh, million, gotcha. annual memorial attendance of over 17 million. So give or take 12 to 17 million. Gotcha. Mormons, you know, they'll say the same thing. They'll say that Adam first uh, instigated Mormonism, Jesus came back and restored it, and then it fell away again, and Joseph Smith came and restored it again. I think that's kind of a similar argument that Jehovah's Witnesses are making. And um, once again, the problem comes forward. God is horrible at this because he's not raising this up in many different places, just one, so that way everybody else outside of that area is going to burn in hell. Thank you very much. Yeah, God's not a very good administrator. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, uh, other people <laughs> trace <laughs> the origins of the Jehovah's Witnesses back to Charles Taze Russell. Uh, this dude was born in Pennsylvania in 1852, which is, depending on your reckoning, either eight or nine years after the Great Disappointment 
of Miller. <laughs> Remember, it was in 1843, and he said, no, yeah. no, no, wait. It's actually in 1844, and then yeah. they were disappointed all over again. It, it really depends on which date you are following, <laughs> and considering this fella tosses out a few dates of his own, hmm. God. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> he was raised Presbyterian. He was losing faith in God and the Bible, on the verge of becoming an atheist, when at 16 he meets up with this Second Adventist wait, preacher now. Wait, wait, wait. At 16, at the age of 16, he's on the verge of atheism? Bullshit. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He was unhappy with the, the doctrine of hell. Uh, he didn't like that. And that that's enough, I think, that idea that you have this... Um, 100% good God who does all these creations and then throws 99% of him into a fire pit to burn for all eternity. That's enough to make you atheist, no, I think. No, it is not. Have you heard what they believe? We'll get into this, but his beliefs are just as loony as that. They're just as crazy. <laughs> I, I can't say where on the realm of, uh, the, the continuum of crazy they are. Uh... <laughs> I have made a float chart, and we will be discussing it. <laughs> now, so he meets this second Adventist preacher, which is a break-off of um, the uh, Millerite Great Disappointment movement, right? Uh, yeah. It's a different break-off from, from the Seventh-day Adventists. These guys are second Adventists. He uh, continues to study the scriptures under, um, I think, George Stetson. The first guy he met was Jonas Wendell. Um, George Stetson's a minister of the Advent Christian Church and George Storrs, who's uh, apparently a publisher of the Bible Examiner. So he's he's in a little study group um, until 1876 when he's 23 years old. He comes into contact with a publication called Herald of the Morning, which um, is an Adventist publication by a guy named Nelson H. Barbour. And this <laughs> solved the problem because... <laughs> You know, these, these Adventists were, were proclaiming, learning absolutely nothing from the Millerite Great Disappointment, yeah, that, that yeah. Christ would return in 1874. <laughs> it is now 1876. <laughs> Jesus had returned. Just... Yeah, yeah. So this oh, publication explained that Christ had actually had returned in 1874, as just as predicted, but he came back invisibly. <laughs> Mother of God. <laughs> just nobody noticed. Oh Lord! Well, um, they did this. How, they claim scriptural backing for this because the Greek parousia is translated um, in in the New Testament at, in in the English uh, as arrival or coming. Right, his second coming. Yeah, yeah. They translate it as presence, which it can also mean. And so they said his presence came back in 1874, um, and again it was invisible and nobody noticed. Well, see, what I love is uh, in my research, I discovered how they came up with these dates. Uh, now, uh, you and I actually talked about this a little bit, and it, it comes down to pyramidology. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, as I was before studying this, basically what it is, is these people believe that since the Hebrews built the Great Pyramid, pyramid not khufu mind you but the hebrews <laughs> you're you're jumping a, a little ahead in time but all right i'll follow you go ahead all right all right but anyway so the hebrews they uh they created this uh, great pyramid that under god's direction uh they created it in such a way that it is basically known as the bible in stone 
where right right, right off the bat you lose. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews did not exist uh, in about what twenty five hundred BC is when the the yeah. Great Pyramid was erected somewhere around there by well, Khufu, son of Sneferu, or Cheops in the in the Greek. Um, yeah. It didn't exist, right? Well, not they, only they, that, they we're talking maybe eleven, twelve hundred years later. They were slaves yeah. in in Egypt. Well, yeah, and the great thing is they're trying to say that the Hebrews associated to the Hyksos. So they're trying to say that the Hyksos are the Hebrews, which yeah. there is a little There's, bit there that could be. They're still off by about a thousand years. Exactly. Um, but uh, Hyksos were a Semitic tribe, and they did rule, um, I believe, is it Lower Egypt? Um, yeah, I think it was Lower Egypt that, near the Delta that they ruled. But again, yeah. the chronology is off by about a thousand years. But that's yeah. okay. Well, what, know, what what's a thousand years? Yeah, yeah. What's a thousand years? And not only that, what they're intimating is that the Egyptians just kind of said to the Hebrews, "Build this." That the Egyptians didn't have drawn out plans. <laughs> that they didn't have everything figured out. They basically just said to their slaves. We want a pyramid, build it here. And through that, God was able to guide this. Now, how they got the year for 1874, and as we'll find out, 1914 and 1948, is <laughs> calculations were made using the pattern of an inch per year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. So, so this idiot goes and he gets the measurements of certain passageways in the, in the Great Pyramid. And he translates that, of course, at, at a rate of one inch per year. And then he calculates forward from, I don't know, they're talking about jubilees and all this crap. Uh, and then they come up with a date of like 1874, 1914, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, of course, because God would encode <coughs> his uh, uh, <laughs> second yeah. coming uh, into the passageways of a structure built to a pagan afterlife. I mean, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Built to house a pagan pharaoh god king. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And not only that, but I, I could have sworn it was God who said no one would know when his second coming was coming. Except for these guys. And <laughs> they they cracked his code. Again, you know, they cracked his code. Um, yeah. And of course God would... It's like he's this guy just pulling numbers out of his ass. Well... <clears throat> How about an inch a year? That's, <laughs> that's, what, God, that's well, what God would say. Perhaps the problem here is that uh, he should have been using international standards, and instead of an inch, maybe a centimeter. Yeah, I think God would, is on the metric system, actually. Yeah, yeah. All right, now <laughs> you've totally blown up my timeline. Let's get back to 1876. Oh, oh so we always have to follow what you want to do. <laughs> so this magazine was failing financially because, surprise, surprise, no one bought that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no one was for, stupid enough. <laughs> except for Charles Taze Russell. So uh, Russell's actually fairly well-to-do, and he actually um, props up this failing magazine in exchange for a position as an editor. So his name actually pops up on the uh, masthead of this uh, Herald of the Morning. And yeah. so um, <clears throat> they he wrote articles at that time that Christ's invisible return would be followed quickly by his bodily return and the rapture, which would take place in 1878. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> Once stop again, giving dates! Stop it! 
1878 came and went. My theory is that everybody was invisibly raptured. <laughs> no one noticed. Yeah, even the people who believed that the rapture was coming didn't realize that they were invisibly raptured. When 1878 came and went, Russell became disenchanted, uh, and he left the magazine. He started his own. Um, he called it Zion's Watchtower and Herald of Christ's Presence. This yeah. guy has no idea how to market stuff. Um, <laughs> and coincidentally enough, it had the same mailing list as Herald of the Morning. You know how that happened? I do not. He took a copy of it when he left. <laughs> so he devotes the first several issues to debunking Herald of the Morning. <laughs> He's writing like this anti-Herald of the Morning screed. Oh, I'll uh, bet that God. pissed him off during that time. So 1879, um, big year for Russell. He gets married. He starts publishing his own magazine. Um, he forms something like 30 study groups, right? His idea yeah. was um, it shouldn't really have any central organizations. These should just be, we're so close to the end times, these should just be sort of decentralized study groups. Um, they shouldn't have any organization, and that's how God would work, right? Yeah. Um, and he's going on this speaking tour. Gradually, these study groups, they started as kind of um, outside the church that they were in, and gradually they, they broke ties with their own congregations and formed into their own kind of groups, called themselves you know, Bible Students or International Bible Students Association. Yeah, that was um, pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> international. There's <laughs> like yeah. a couple hundred people. A couple hundred people, and they're calling themselves international? I mean, <laughs> really? They're essentially in, in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please tell me where on the other nations uh, your people are standing at this point, really. So, um, they're you know, it's growing. Um, he can't really perform the duties of a pastor because he's speaking so much. Um, in 1882, uh, he has another split with one of the people on his uh, editorial board that followed him over from the previous magazine, mm -hmm. and that guy was a Trinitarian, and actually so was the barber guy. And once this guy leaves, Russell actually openly rejects the doctrine of the Trinity. So he says, God is Jehovah, and only Jehovah. Essentially, the Holy Ghost is some sort of spirit spirit will of God, like a force, like yep, in Star yep. Wars? It's, it's an energy force. Now, that was uh, that was something I did a little research on, and uh, basically, this is taken off of their website. The Holy Ghost is not a separate entity, but is an energy or force. Now, if this is the case, shouldn't we be able to measure that energy or force? It is one of the five fundamental forces of the universe. Right. <laughs> oh, I just didn't learn that. Is is that in quark physics? Yeah, I mean, you've got gravity, you've got electromagnetism, um, Holy Ghost, spirit force, uh, strong nuclear force, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you learned about it in physics. Oh, of course, of course. I, I remember, well, actually, I skipped that day. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's in seminary. Yeah. Uh, all right, so now he starts preaching by um, the, the measuring... Um, the lengths of the Great Pyramid, which, which he believed uh, was God's stone witness and prophet. Uh, yeah. He believed that it contained the days of the year, the weight of the earth, the distance to the sun. I don't know why God's encoding all this in a in a stone building and not telling anybody. 
Especially considering it was the Egyptians who designed it. Uh, was his Holy Ghost, his energy or force, the guiding force to the Egyptians? You would think that God would mention this somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> well, that would be true. However, uh, he didn't want anybody to be able to figure out when his second coming was coming, which is why he's so <laughs> yet, pissed off at him. How the yet, hell did you crack my code? <laughs> he leaves the, of bitches. He leaves the most massive building on earth uh, as the uh, pointing directly toward his second coming. Yeah, it makes, <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, um, yeah, that's real smart. He also used the pyramid to calculate the year of the rapture, which was supposed to occur in 1910. Um, so he, he predicts 1914, end of the world, right? Rapture 1910, end of the world happens in 1914. Yep. Well, 1914 comes and goes, as yeah, these and, dates always do. And uh, Nothing happens. What do you think they attached to 1914? Well, you know, it's the beginning of World War One, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they, they took that and said, well, see, you know, there's a lot of wars going on, so clearly that, that happened. Later on... Um, are you talking about later on when, when uh, Rutherford takes over? No, no. I'm, I'm talking about just what I found on their website where they say the heavenly kingdom took effect in 1914 with the invisible enthronement of Christ as king. And then yeah. they basically quote that uh, World War I is the beginning of the end times. And, uh, well, to say the least, uh, God pretty much uh, casts Satan... Uh, they were engaged in a heavenly battle in 1914, and uh, Satan was ousted from heaven and imprisoned here on earth. And what I would like to say is, uh, what, there were no wars and atrocities before this date? Uh, and not only that, if you're God, why didn't you just defeat him in heaven and be done with it? Uh, well, thanks, dipshit, for sending down a powerful creature to cause those of us still here some torment. That's quite benevolent of you. Uh, yeah. Again, Leighton's <laughs> jumping forward in the timeline. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, but, I'm just... <laughs> but oh, I'm sorry, what the I... hell, yeah. my question to this was, what the hell is Satan still doing in heaven in 1913? That's he's, a very good question. He's tried to tempt Jesus already, right? He's yeah. Tried, <laughs> he's offered Jesus the whole world. Uh, you know, he's tempted him with all this stuff in the in the wilderness. Um, what is he still doing in heaven? <laughs> Well, he's uh, he's smoking a joint with his buddies, and yeah. God finally thought, where's that scent coming from? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> catches him and casts him down to the earth. Yeah, All right. yes. No smoking blunts in front of Jesus. Bad. So Russell dies in 1916. This is two years after the whole world was supposed to end. Yeah. Um, and he actually, he was buried beneath a pyramid as his tombstone. Did you see this? Pictures of this? No, I didn't. Yeah, there's a big pyramid. has like a crown and a cross on it, um, oh and it's God. still there. You can still go and see it where he's buried. After oh uh, Russell's death, he leaves um, instructions in his will that uh, the presidency should be taken over by Joseph Franklin Rutherford, who went by the name of Judge because <clears throat> like he substituted for a judge once. He's an attorney, and so <laughs> that one substitution allows him to call himself Judge for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, the governing body um, or board of directors, I think it is the term it was then, the board of directors, were supposed to take over, uh, you know, um, in perpetuity, right? Uh, they were appointed for life. Yeah. Well, that didn't last very long. Um, Rutherford uh, noticed that 
the formality of re-electing the board members hadn't been performed, and so he just unseated them without a vote. They're they're in the middle of a meeting, right, in their Brooklyn headquarters, and he had a subordinate call the police in, in the middle of the meeting, and evict them from the premises. Oh, God, that's ballsy. Isn't that awesome? I like this guy. Essentially, he centralized power away from the board of directors and replaced all those people with people that he liked, and uh, he became this charismatic president. Now he started well, of giving. Of course, you're charismatic when you replace people with the ones that like you and you like. <laughs> <laughs> he started giving sermons in 1917 called "Millions Now Living Will Never Die." Uh, he starts giving um, prophecies that the end of the world is going to happen in 1925 when. Uh, the biblical patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are going to return, right? And this will usher in the end of the world. So, in 1920, he publishes Millions Now Living Will Never Die as a book. And again, (laughs) the same cycle occurs as we saw with Miller. All the faithful buy this crap, sell their lands, their cars, their property, they're anticipating the end of the world. Oh, God. And nothing happens. <laughs> you think people would have learned by now. This is not too far removed from the Miller movement. Yeah, yeah especially you're a branch off from the Miller movement. Uh, you guys screwed up in, in 1843, 1844, 1874, 1914, <laughs> again in 1920. But they're not you done yet. You have to know your history. Why would you ever start trusting the bullshit when it continues flowing? Oh, God. Um... According to a 1982 Watchtower, um, Rutherford admitted that I made an ass of myself. (laughs) (laughs) He never again ventures into end times prophecy till the day he dies. Well, at Um, least he learned from his mistakes. He does, but his followers don't. Of course Uh, not. Between 1925 and 1928, the the movement loses three-quarters of its followers. Devastating. What a surprise. But Rutherford is very charismatic. He starts this program of uh, door-to-door evangelism, and they have phonographs of Rutherford and his lectures. <laughs> He's preaching fire and brimstone from this record player, basically. 1929, um, he builds a mansion for the return of biblical patriarchs. It's called was- Beth. Beth Sarim, which is Hebrew for House of the Princes. <laughs> and of and course... was he living in it yes. while waiting? What a he's, surprise! He, <laughs> he summers in the house. Yes, yes. Um, 1931, they actually officially named themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. Up until this point, they've been like Bible students and and you know all this different stuff. And the international really Bible students. Don't, don't forget yeah. that. And in 1931, they're officially named Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a passage in in Isaiah about, you know, being a witness for Jehovah, blah, blah, blah. That's where they got the name. Yeah. 1930s, Rutherford um, forges this massive uh, radio network of Jehovah's Witnesses where he um, rails against Catholics, commercialism, government in general. This is where they get the, you know, don't participate in military service, don't salute the flags, all that stuff. And they don't want to do holidays because of the pagan origins, right? Hey, hey, you're taking Christmas. away all the stuff I did research on. Oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> Would you like me to chime in now on those such things? Yeah, why don't you go in on that? 
Alright, alright. Well, one of the reasons why they give for not joining the military is because it may potentially put themselves in a position to kill someone. And uh, basically, they go back to that uh, the early church fathers, including Origen, affirmed that Christians were constrained from taking human life, a principle that prevented them from participating in the Roman army. And uh, he even states, up to the reign of Marcus Aurelius, at least 161 to 180, no Christians would become a soldier after his baptism. Now, y'all are a bunch of bitch asses. You're sitting there, you're telling me that you would not take a life for anything. So, uh, somebody's shooting down your family instead of shooting back, you're just going to sit there and let them kill you? These are pe- the people you're talking about are people who won't take blood transfusions even if it is the only thing that will save their life. That's this very is, this true. is the stupidity that we're talking about here. Well, you know why they don't take blood transfusions, don't you? Because the soul is in the blood. No. Because of Acts 15:20 which says, "Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. So it's obvious to everybody else that they're talking about no drinking blood, no eating the blood. And yet they have taken it to mean that they cannot take blood transfusions. And maybe it's just me, but I could have sworn that blood transfusions were never possible during the Bible times. They also reference Genesis 9, 3, and 4 as for any man of the house of Israel or some alien resident who eats any sort of blood, I shall certainly set my face against the soul that is eating the blood. <laughs> um, once this again, is from their, This is from their own literature, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and the apostles and older men decree that we must abstain from blood. Doing so is as vital as abstaining from sexual immorality and idolatry. Acts 15, 28-29. I, you know, this is one of the things that, that I really didn't get a clear picture on, um, other than these two scriptures. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me why they won't do blood transfusions. Well, they don't celebrate <clears throat> birthdays. Did you know that? Yeah, they, they don't, because of yeah. the pagan origins of them. Yeah, basically they state that in the Bible, no servant of God is spoken of as celebrating their birthday, not even Jesus and the Apostles. And therefore, because of that... That, that they refuse to celebrate birthdays. In fact, they say only two birthday celebrations were mentioned. One, Genesis 40:20, the Egyptian pharaoh who had his chief cupbearer bearer hung, and uh, also uh, King Herod, Matthew 14:6, who had John the Baptist beheaded during his birthday party. Because of those two passages, nobody in the Jehovah's Witnesses celebrates birthdays. So now. Uh, they don't celebrate Christmas, Easter because of their perceived pagan origins, right? Yep. Well, what about Christianity as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> well, what actually, about the sacrament? What they, you know? They, <laughs> what about circumcision? <laughs> they they do practice one, just one celebration, and uh, basically, uh, what it is is it's. It's called an annual memorial, or Christ's death meal. And this is what I was talking about, where they uh, 
have 7 million adherents who are involved in the evangelism. So there are 7 million of these people wandering around trying to preach to all of us. Then they have convention attendance of over 12 million. While at this Christ's death meal, they have over 17 million people who show up for it. Now, um, basically, they have uh, an entire meal set out, and then they have unleavened bread and wine. Now, who do you think it is eats the unleavened bread and wine? Those are the anointed, the people who believe they're part of the 144,000. <laughs> Elect saved. But it's yes. it's just you know if you think you are then uh, you can you can do it right so it's all yep. self appointed. Yep. And in two thousand and eight, there were nine thousand nine hundred and eighty six people who had the balls big enough to walk up and say, <coughs> "I am one of the one hundred and forty four thousand anointed that's going to judge over you bitches." So get in line behind me. We'll we'll get in a little bit into this later, but. Um... That number has to dwindle every single year. Do you know why? Yes, I do, because the 144,000 were the ones that, uh, well, they were chosen way back when. The door was shut on that in 1935. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you were born after 1935, you're shit out of luck. All right. Um, let's, let's resume... Um, where the timeline that you're see. so let's, proud of? Let's resume this timeline. So he's um, forging this uh, radio network. Um, they're going door to door. He's got all these fiery speeches. 1942, he dies. Um, he he outlived his prediction of the end of the world by a full, God, what, 17 years? Yeah, yeah. You think this guy would have figured out for himself <clears throat> that his predictions were full of shit? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the uh, presidency is taken over by Nathan Homer Knorr. Um, he's a great administrator, but he doesn't have the charisma of Rutherford. So what he does basically is emphasize the individuals. He puts a great emphasis on uh, evangelism and the dynamic organization instead of himself. Yeah. He, he No more phonographs. <laughs> <laughs> he just teaches people how to witness to other people. Yeah. Now, doctrinal matters, he leaves in the hands of uh, Fred Franz. Um now, Fred Franz is an interesting um, person because he actually was the one who uh, took another interest in prophetic calculations and end times, you know, eschatology. Uh, <laughs> I love that they've even got that. that uh, <laughs> they, they, they keep trying. God love them. They keep trying. Yeah, yeah. You think this is this right here <coughs> is the perfect story of the little engine that could. They just keep pushing and pushing. Now, as an aside, six years after Rutherford dies, the mansion Beth Sarim is quietly sold. It had been deeded to King David. <laughs> I wonder if wonder if King David had to actually be present at the um, selling at of the mansion the in 1948. Well, what'd they do? Dig him up if they could find him? Because we have no proof of David's. So. Yeah. yeah. He probably had a proxy there. Yeah. Um, so in the 1960s, Fred Franz tries to, to rekindle this sort of end-time stuff, um, and he sets a new date for the end of the world, 1975. Uh, he revises the chronology. Remember, Christ's Invisible Return happened in 1874, right? Yep. Um, wrong. It was actually 1914. Of course so, it was. <laughs> that's when the theology happened that, that Christ had a battle in heaven. Uh, Christ is resurrected. Apparently, he's Michael the Archangel now. 
bizarre. Um, I don't know where they get that, but apparently after his resurrection, he's Michael the Archangel. He takes his place in heaven, throws Satan down, and starts his kingdom. Now, um, he also taught that the <laughs> the heavenly calling ended in 1935, <laughs> and people after this date um, that were born, they could only look forward to uh, an earthly paradise, right, since the 144,000 yep. had been filled up with people who had been born prior to 1935. Yep. 1971 rolls along. Uh, the governing body is formed. Prior to this, it was just the board of directors. Now they have the, the governing body, which essentially replaces the seven-member board with 11 members, and it's ranged anywhere from seven to 13 people, but these are supposed to take the places of, of the apostles, like Christ's apostles. Of course um, they are. So, 1975 comes and goes. I was three years old when the end of the world <laughs> happened. Were well, you born I wasn't yet? even a twinkle in my bed's eye. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> like before, you know, every time this happens, these guys say, what? We never predicted that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my favorite what are you talking thing. about? Is they sit there, they're out there publicizing this, and then as soon as it doesn't happen, they're just like, well, what are you talking about? No, that, that's not part that, of it. Those that. were just overzealous people, right? Yeah, overzealous um, people. That that had nothing to do with us. You so, retards. Again, for the first time in decades, their, their membership had been slowly growing, growing, growing. For the first time in decades, drops. They lose members now in the hundreds of thousands. This is, this is disguised <laughs> a little bit because they're converting people also. But, yeah, yeah, people left in the hundreds of thousands. So many people leave um, that in 1980... Well, 1977, Nor dies, right? And Franz assumes the presidency. Uh, <laughs> and which prediction does he give for the end of the world? <laughs> well, that was his in 1975. Oh, of course. That was his prediction. Um, 1980, they have a crackdown on dissidents, right? A huge purge of people who are suspected as being disloyal. Sound familiar? Uh, I, I could have sworn. It has something to do with Mormonism. That's yeah. ringing a bell. Oh, Listen. wait. The October or September 8 or whatever September they were called? September 6. The um, anytime your organization says, "Hey, look, stop looking into the mysteries. Don't seek the mysteries. Just read church-approved stuff. <laughs> Make sure someone else is there who's a good, loyal member." Anytime they say that, there's something in their history they want to hide. Every the, single time. Was there a book burning behind the church as they were telling people this? That's all I'm wondering. <laughs> um, Actually, this this purge reached so far, it got Fred Franz's nephew. He was a member of the governing body. This is equivalent to Mormon apostle. And he oh, was uh, excommunicated, forced to resign, and then excommunicated. How and, do people even follow this shit when they're watching something like this happen right in front of them? I have no idea. Not not a clue. And he's actually a source of really good information. Um, you know how they came out with their new inspired translation in 1961, I think? So they yes. have their own uh, their own translation of the Bible. Raymond Franz, they've never said who did the translation, whether they were qualified or not. They say, you know, all of the glory you know, we want to put to God, right? Uh, pff, of whatever. course you want to put all the glory to God because you've just gone in there and tweaked it to what you wanted yeah. to say. Raymond Franz said that only one person on that committee was qualified. <laughs> <laughs> 1992, Franz dies. Milton Henschel takes over. Interestingly enough, in the year 2000, Henschel resigns his position. Um, and wow. Remember, the only people who can be in the governing body are people who, 
born before 1935 <laughs> because they're the anointed, right? They're the only people yep. who can be candidates for the anointed. And in their second journal, their magazine called Awake, uh, they mm-hmm. on their masthead they said, you know, stuff like, "We're we are the last generation," right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they celebrating they put the last that generation, out there. and they had to change it. I think in the seventies, saying you know, um, celebrating the generation that saw the the events of nineteen fourteen, because those were supposedly the last generation. Well, that's because everybody was dying. <laughs> and again, <laughs> I got to tell you, if you saw the events of nineteen fourteen, and you're still alive, you're at least ninety six <laughs> years old. <laughs> But they actually give their numbers on their website. Lord. There are 8,500 who are still living on Earth, and this number is declining due to deaths among oh, yeah. the group. Now, yeah. if if we've got 8,500 of the 144,000, then who the hell is the other 1,400 people who are sitting there taking the unleavened bread? Who who <laughs> had you step forward and say, "Oh, by the way, uh, I wasn't born then, but I'm still going to take this because I am one of the 144." Yeah. Talk about balls there. I'm going to make a little prophecy. Their doctrine's going to change pretty soon. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you that 8,500 is going to dwindle very rapidly. Yep, that doctrine is going to change very soon. All right, so in 2000, it becomes very obvious that all these old, decrepit men can't take over the day-to-day operations anymore. It's vigorous, you know, running this uh, um, organization. Henschel yeah, resigns. Yeah, gerontocracy. He's the, first, he's the first president in the history of Jehovah's Witness to resign. There's a massive shakeup and reorganization. He steps down and assumes a position on the governing body, and Don Adams, a younger man, takes over as president. Um, so again... Uh, this, this it's got to change, and it's going to change pretty soon. Otherwise, what are they going to tell people who are, are they're converting? Hey, you guys are screwed. Um, everyone who is <laughs> everyone who was born before 1935 is pretty much dead by now, and this is going to happen very soon. Yeah. Um, you guys are all screwed. All you young people are all screwed. The people who they they count on, I guarantee you, they're not converting people. Uh, by the d- hundreds and thousands who are over 75 years old. <laughs> well, uh, could you imagine sitting there in their little church session and hearing that your grandson, your granddaughter, or even your daughter aren't going to make it? Yeah, right. It's ridiculous. And all, all you can hope for is kind of like a paradise on earth. It's really kind of stupid doctrine. Do you remember the shut door doctrine um, started with the seven-day Adventists, right? Yes, it did. Oh, it yes, wasn't, it did. It wasn't that Christ was going to come again. It was just kind of that the door kind of closed and no one else can be uh, um, get into heaven, basically. And that yeah. lasted as long as, you know, a new baby was born. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, come on. It's a pretty stupid doctor. Yeah, babies started being born, and they're like, oh, shit, that didn't work out yeah. like expected. Uh, we got to revise that one. Yeah, now, whoever <clears throat> the hell came up with that whole policy was a retard. Why would you put something like that forward? I mean, you got babies being born all around you, and, hmm, it's just yeah. going to stop? Yeah, you guys are screwed. Ridiculous. Yeah. At that That is put in place by people who want to maintain their hierarchy of power, right? But yep. it only lasts for so long. Eventually, no one's going to be alive, and they're going to have no one left. So that that you'll see the doctrine change. They'll have a revelation, or or they'll get what they call new light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus changed his mind. Yeah. Now I want to talk about because the the common thing Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you is, 
Oh, that never happened. We didn't we didn't predict, you know, 1925. That was just, you know, exaggerated, right? Yeah, I yeah that's read, something they're big on. I want to read some Watchtower and, you know, uh, some of the books before 1925 and after <laughs> 1925. Of course. Before 1925. This is in um, Rutherford's book, Millions Now Living Will Never Die, page 18, 89 and 90. Therefore, we may confidently expect that 1925 will mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the faithful prophets of old. Even better, 1922, Watchtower, May 15th. We have no doubt whatever in regard to the chronology relating the, to the dates of 1874, 1914, 1918, and 1925. It was on this line of reckoning that the dates 1874, 1914, and 1918 were located, and the Lord has placed the stamp of his seal upon 1914 <laughs> and 1918 beyond any possibility of erasure. What further evidence do we need? Using this same measuring line it is an easy matter to locate 1925, probably in the fall, for the beginning of the antitypical jubilee. There can be oh, no more question about 1925 than there was about 1914. And that last statement I totally agree with. <laughs> yes, there is no question whatsoever. Are you people stupid? Stop putting dates and even specifying what season it's going to happen. <laughs> At least if you just give a year, you have an entire year to wait. But you give a season. Yeah, ridiculous. How about Watchtower, July 15th, 1922? This chronology is not of man, but of God. Being of, of divine origin and divinely corroborated, present truth chronology stands in a class by itself, absolutely and unqualifiedly correct. <laughs> <laughs> would you, this would, is the word. Follow it. Would you like to hear some after 1925? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it will have something to do with overzealous few. Watchtower, August 1st, 1926, page 232. Some anticipated that the work would end in 1925, <laughs> but the Lord did not state so. The difficulty was that the friends inflated their imaginations beyond reason, and that when oh, their imaginations yeah. burst asunder, they were inclined to throw away everything. Well, thank you very much, <laughs> leaders of this church, for throwing people in front of the bus so you don't have to take the blame. <laughs> about the 1975 yearbook, page 146. 1925 was a sad year for many brothers. Some of them were stumbled. Their hopes were dashed. They had hoped to see some of the ancient worthies resurrected. Instead of its being considered a probability, they read into it that it was a certainty, and some prepared for their own loved ones with the expectancy of their resurrection. <laughs> yeah, all those crazy people reading into it that it was a certainty. Yeah, I, I can't believe them. I, you know, it's a good thing no one else put out any more dates. God. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> wonderful. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Okay, so here we go. Um, how about prior to 1975? Oh, damn it, someone put out another date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, according to the Bible, this is in uh, 67, according to the Bible timetable, Man's history on Earth has been nearly 6,000 years. Adam was created in 4026 BCE. <laughs> I don't know how, how did he that. come up with that? <laughs> uh, by Bishop Usher's rendering, I think it was 4004 BCE. But Adam was created in 426, 4026 BCE, which means that 6,000 years of human history and about the fall of 1975. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> We're in the great 7,000-year rest day of God, starting at the time he rested after the creation of Adam and Eve. There oh, are, I... therefore, a thousand years left to run. So God's been sitting on his ass this entire time. Oh, yeah. He's been resting. 68, Watchtower. The immediate future is certain to be filled with climactic events. This is 41 years ago. For the old system is nearing its complete end. Within a few years at most, the final parts of Bible prophecy relative to these last days will undergo <laughs> fulfillment, resulting in the liberation of surviving mankind into uh, uh, Christ's glorious 1,000-year reign. What difficult days, but at the same time, what grand days are just ahead? I am um, so glad I wasn't born during those difficult days because God. that would have been real hard on me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now we're getting closer. 1974, this is my favorite. All right. Re reports are heard of brothers selling their homes and property and planning to finish out the rest of their days in this old system in the Pioneer Service. Certainly, this is a fine way to spend the short time remaining before the wicked world's end. <laughs> a fine way. Why are you encouraging people to sell their property? Come on. Watchtower, just uh, two years later, in July 1576, page 440. This is after the end of the world didn't come. Yeah, it, what a surprise. It may be that some who have been serving God have planned their lives according to a mistaken view of just what was to happen on a certain date or in a certain year. <laughs> they may have, for this reason, put off or neglected things that they otherwise would have cared for, but they have missed the point of the Bible's warnings concerning the end of this system of things, thinking that Bible chronology reveals the specific date. Gee, how did they come to that conclusion? <laughs> yeah, I wonder, and... Who was it, pray tell, who was encouraging that date and encouraging people not to take care of themselves? How can you guys even be followed? You have got to be kidding me. Every time you guys make a mistake as to when the end of the world is coming and it doesn't happen, well, you throw your followers underneath a bus to take the blame for you. That's totally. awful nice of you. Totally. Um, same page. Did Jesus mean that we should adjust our financial and secular affairs so that our resources would just carry us to a certain date that we th might think marks the end? <laughs> if our house is suffering serious deterioration, should we let it go on the assumption that we would need it only a few months longer? Or if someone in the family possibly needs special medical care? I don't know, like a blood transfusion? Should yeah, we say, well, we'll put it off because the time is so near this for the system of things to go? This is not the kind of thinking that Jesus advised. I love oh. it. God. You know, maybe they are learning here. I, I have a feeling that within the next 10 years, they're going to put out another date as to when the end of the world is going to come. No but way. by this statement. It, no way, on page 441. But it is not advisable for us to set our sights on a certain date. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to put out. They There is no way they could put out that many dates and we can sit back and say they're going to learn from their mistakes. They are not <laughs> learning from their mistakes. They're going to put out another date in the next 10 years. That is my prediction. <laughs> we, we've, we've learned for real this time. <laughs> yes, we've learned for real this time. Everybody, uh, and uh, this time don't sell off your things because that's not what Jesus would want. Because we might be wrong like we have been uh, at least four times in the past. Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely ridiculous. And this is why they tell you, as a Jehovah's Witness, don't go on the internet. <laughs> don't read any books. Don't even read the Bible. You know, if you don't read it with the Jehovah's Witness literature, don't 
talk to anyone um, about Jehovah's Witnesses. They might be apostates. Don't look into our own history because they're just uh, amazingly embarrassed about all these stupid predictions. And then they turn around and they blame it on their own members. That's beautiful. Of course they're embarrassed, and of course they don't want people to look this up because you guys would have none, not a single convert, if you guys just walked up and said, well, here were some mistakes in our church's past, but we have since rectified them. Oh, I found it. The masthead of Awake magazine says, The Creator's promise of a peaceful and secure new world before the generation that saw the events of 1914 passes away. (laughs) (laughs) That better be coming quick. There's only 8,500 left. (laughs) Apparently, all those are at least 95 years old. Well, good God, maybe some of them are going to start living like Noah to a thousand years, I mean. (laughs) Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. I wonder what they're going to say after all these guys die off. They are going to change everything, and I can guarantee you they're going to see another huge decline in their numbers of people who have grown up listening to this shit about how these people are going to survive until that happens. They're going to lose yeah. people in droves. The the only way they can do that, though, is if, if they uh, tell people, don't look into the past. You know, They'll probably lose people, like there's a, a dip in 75, um, but they've got something like a half million people spending uh, billions of hours out there converting people. They're going out and they're this massive, you know, um, who hasn't had a Jehovah's Witness knock on their door? You've had one, I've had one. Well, your wife had one while I was over there preparing for Halloween. <clears throat> oh God, I would have loved that. Oh, the, I didn't. I was in, in eating lunch, and I, I could hear her talking at the door, and I didn't realize it was a Jehovah's Witness until the very end of their conversation. As I come walking around and get this big smile on my face. Oh God, I was probably fourteen uh, when they knocked on my door uh, in Park City, <clears throat> and there are these, you know, two young, nicely. Um, appearing uh, people and I think he had a kid and they he knocked on my door you know he's talking about salvation blah 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 and he's talking about evolution and I you know I, at this point I, I don't really care um, yeah. I just want to go back to studying for my classes it was on a weekend <laughs> and why uh, the hell do they always come on weekends what's know. wrong with you people leave me alone um, so the, he hands me this thing on evolution saying uh, evolution's wrong because you know all this stuff is taken from a single tooth or maybe a single bone and and you know all these artist renderings are just their own reconstructions it's not really what they look like oh of course <clears throat> and uh so therefore evolution isn't true and i'm like looking through it i'm like uh, okay thanks nice talking to you and then he looks at me and he goes you know those cost money to make so we appreciate a donation oh no you <laughs> <laughs> screw oh, my you god so I gave them back their stupid pamphlet and shut the door in their face. That that uh, that is my um, interaction with Jehovah's Witnesses. God, that was that was pretty assholeish. I thought. Yeah, yeah. My biggest reaction to them was uh, about eight thirty on a Sunday. They're pounding on my door, and mind you, I was at a party until like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning the night before. I come stumbling to the door in nothing but my undies, rip it open, pissed off as hell, and there's a guy standing out there with his daughter, and both of their eyes go wide as they can go, and yet they still try to preach to me. (laughs) They never came back. Yeah. (laughs) 
they sat there and attempted to preach to you in your underwear? Yeah, standing in my undies. They said they preached to me. They handed me a pamphlet. They invited me out to church, said, hey, we've got a church sermon starting in about two hours. If you want to come, the address is on the pamphlet. That is wonderful. They didn't yeah, come now, back, huh? Nope, never came back. Uh, and I just love that I'm standing there in my undies while the dad is, uh, is you know, preaching to me, and his daughter is eyeballing me up and down. <laughs> oh, this is where I got the um, the soul thing. 1961 Watchtower, September 1st, 1961, page 564. The blood in any person is in reality the person himself. Poisons due to personal living, eating and drinking habits, the poisons that produce the impulse to commit suicide, murder, or steal are in the blood. Moral insanity, sexual perversions, repression, inferiority complexes, petty crimes, these often follow in the wake of blood transfusion. <laughs> what? What the hell? I, uh, I can see people out there thinking, huh, I just had a blood transfusion. Let me slit my wrists now. Unbelievable. Now, uh, further unbelievable to me is that, you know, red blood cells have a um, a lifespan of about 90 days, right? Yeah. So yeah, apparently, before they're replaced in the marrow. Yeah. And did you see that blood, mar blood uh, or bone marrow transfusions are left up to each individual Jehovah's Witness. If you get a blood transfusion, it's an excommunicable offense and has been since wait, the wait, 60s. Wait. You're kidding me, right? So, no. So they, <laughs> you're telling me that they will actually allow bone transfusion or bone marrow transfusions where the blood is actually made? Bone and they're marrow, allowing that? Bone marrow transplants are, I believe, left up to the individual conscience of each Jehovah's Witness. And this tells me that no one knows the science of what's going on here in the, in the Jehovah's Witness leadership. There are four main, they, they point out four main constituents of blood, right? Um, I think red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, and plasma is what they break it down to. And of yeah. course, you know, there, there are different um, types of white blood cells. Um, and plasma itself is mostly water, but it's got a bunch of proteins in it as well. And yep. um, I think they, they reject all those um, major transponents, but they'll take some other things. Uh, and, and, a, and a bone marrow transplant is, I believe, and if we have any Jehovah's Witnesses or ex-Jehovah's Witnesses in the audience <laughs> that can confirm this, I believe it's left up to the individual conscience of the uh, Jehovah's Witness uh, who is undergoing the, the transplant. Now, oh, that's just insane. This is where all the... Um, blood cells are made, right? As yeah. a matter of fact, you wipe out through radiation and chemo your entire bone marrow, and then you transplant bone marrow. Um, often, your blood type is changed with this procedure. You can go in with O-negative oh, blood, shit. get it wiped out, have a transplant from someone else, and come out with B-positive blood. Oh, that's kick-ass. I had no idea about that. So if you're going to murder somebody, I'd recommend getting... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's get, let's get hit. Yeah. That that's that's probably a recommendation for twenty years ago. Before <laughs> now, yeah, they have DNA, DNA testing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it used to be <laughs> just blood type, but now it's DNA. Um, yeah, so it's just insane. It, it's absolutely absolutely well, ridiculous. These are the same people that believe that uh, because of World War One, uh, Satan was cast down here, and that's when Jesus was allowed. To rain. Now, this is an exact quote off theirs. That is why things have become so bad here on Earth since 1914. Wars, famines, pestilences, increasing lawlessness, 
All these are part of a sign indicating that Jesus is ruling and that this system is in its last days. Why the hell would God put Jesus in charge of things if he just screws it all up like this? <laughs> Jesus I mean, Jesus sucks. can't even rule heaven or earth. And not only that, but by sending Satan here and having everybody turn to Satan, that just means that Jesus has no charisma. He's not very persuasive at all, and that he's horrible at ruling a kingdom. He couldn't even get himself out of the crucifixion. I mean, come on. That is yeah, incompetence. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> God, I've got a lot more of these. 1923, Watchtower, April 1st. 1925 is definitely settled by the scriptures. The Christian has much more upon which to base his faith than Noah had, upon which to base his faith in the coming deluge. Nineteen twenty four. No doubt many boys and girls who read this book will live to see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Daniel, and some of the other men of old come forth in their glory of their better resurrection. Way to paradise nineteen twenty four. Yeah, well, you know, that may be why on their site they say in the very near future the battle of Harmageddon, and then they have in, in parentheses Armageddon, will begin. Jesus under Jehovah's divine rage will execute vengeance upon most non-witnesses and most followers of those other religious traditions which ignore the Bible or follow interpretations, blah, blah, blah. So basically, Jesus is going to come down and he's going to kill everybody. And then what he's going to do is, at this point, there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. So Jesus comes down, much like uh, the Seventh-day Adventists. He kills everybody, and then he resurrects everybody. And the faithful will be granted eternal life. Others will be given a second chance to accept God's rule. Now, uh, I, I don't know about you, Charlie, but uh, if I was standing in line to be judged and be told by God... Now, they also believe that uh, when you die, that you die a spiritual death, that your spirit can die too. And uh, that if you don't do as re God requires them when you're given your second chance that you will be destroyed forever. So here's what I'm thinking. I've just been killed by Jesus. I've just been resurrected by Jesus. I'm standing in front of God, and he's telling me to do something. And if I don't, I'm watching everybody in front of me get obliterated. What do you think your choice would be? Well, maybe it's done in a different room. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, God's a dick. God oh, and Jesus dick. are dicks. Yeah, but under this, at least he's less of a dick than torturing people. I mean, this is at least some sort of progress from the God as, as this um, massively evil person who creates people and then just tortures them for all of eternity. At least he's just killing you and an and end to your suffering. And being done with it, what, how is that much better? Because you're not alive and, and suffering. Your only existence under the God who, who eternally torments you is to, to feel pain. That's horrible. At least you're not. At least you're not alive to be tortured. I just don't see how either one is better. You're either getting tortured forever, or you cease to exist. How is that any better? Are you kidding me? I would much rather cease to exist than be tortured forever and ever and ever. You yeah, would be well, begging for death in hell. I'll agree with to be that. Killed. I'll agree with that. But look at that from God's perspective. Or perspective. How is that any better? You're destroying them well, for the rest of eternity. It, both of them are just one gigantic cosmic masturbation. He's created a bunch of these people. He knows 99% of them plus are doomed to death and destruction. So he's going to create them and then wipe them out. 
It's, it seems like a whole lot of bother for, for nothing. Yeah. Well, you, you know what this whole uh, resurrection reminds me of? When when I uh, when I joined the military, uh, they they flew me into town where uh, in New Jersey where where the boot camp was, and I climbed on this bus and and it, it's filled with everybody who's going to boot camp. And you would not believe the talk people were spitting out about how well they were going to do, how they were going to show up everybody else, how they were joking around, laughing, things like this. And of course, I got involved too. I'm I'm sarcastic as hell, so I'm throwing around jokes. And the funniest thing I noticed is as we got closer to our destination, so as we got closer to the boot camp, the bus started getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And uh, I recall this because it was just absolutely hilarious to me. We're pulling up to the gates of the uh, of the base where we're going to enter boot camp, and I throw out some crack about the ugly son of a bitch who's, uh, who's opening the gate for us, and people started yelling at me saying, this is serious. We just got here. Stop joking around. And I'm looking around going, you guys were the same ones who were joking five minutes back. That's what I see this resurrection being. Yeah, it's it's very odd because they get resurrected and there's like another thousand years. And then toward the end of that thousand years, people start becoming evil again and start rebelling again. <laughs> and that's when the final the final judgment happens, right? So it's like a yep. second judgment. It's bizarre. It's like, oh, God's not quite sure these people are really for real, so he gives them another thousand years to fuck up and then kills them again. That's a bastard. And that's when Satan and his demons are thrown out among them and then they're all killed. That's like a teacher giving you a test and you acing the test, and then he said, I'm not sure you really know the material. Here's a second test. You're like, damn it. (laughs) You flunk that one and you fail the class. What, do you do you bastard. know where? Uh, it, I mean, it, it's a screwed up whole thing. But do you know where they came up with, uh, or where Christians came up with the view of hell? You know, uh, punishment, torture for all eternity. That was from uh, Satan. Satan what? is regarded as having created the concept of hellfire in order to turn people against God. They believe that hell is the common oh. grave of mankind. So basically... See, you're talking from Jehovah's Witness point of view. This is Jehovah's Witness's point of I view. So you. basically, they believe that Satan, in order to turn people away from God, created hellfire. Um, when... <laughs> that just seems retarded to me, because if you have a choice of being uh, you know, tortured for all eternity which has proven with the rise of Christianity to be something that people are afraid of. More people turn to God than away from God. So Satan's as uh, horrible at running a kingdom as Jesus is. If, if it's Satan's tool then he's done an awful lot of PR for uh, God because um, they've used religious people have used the threat of hellfire for thousands of years to force yeah. people into believing the way they want them to believe. So that it's, that idea that um, it's Satan's it is pretty stupid. Yeah, it, it, it's only until the day of thinking where people are like, God's pretty much an asshole right. for doing That's that. That's a pretty sophisticated thought, right? So it's only uh, kind of the, the smarter people who look at that and say, God, that, that that's immoral. What a bastard God is that turns them away. Yeah, yeah, it's at that point. So basically maybe... Satan was just looking to entrap the intelligent ones. That way, <laughs> the only ones who God is going to be able to keep are the ones who never consider this uneducated sort. Yeah, that makes That's, sense. 
that is a fairly accurate portrayal of reality. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> now, Jehovah's Witnesses also reject the idea of the Trinity. Um, yep. And I believe they're probably right in this, in, in that um, you know both Jews and Jehovah's Witnesses say, look, Christians, admit it. You guys are polytheists. You believe in three gods. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't. We believe in one, but he's three distinct pe- but he's just one okay he's patting himself on the head in the new testament a couple times and a couple yeah. times jesus says you know i'm not good only god in heaven is good uh you know all right whatever you caught us but there's still one person <laughs> i think he's got a point here that this idea of the trinity is extra biblical and uh, I think it's a, just a historical accident that the people who believed in the Trinity were the people who actually kind of arrived at that bottleneck and they killed all the other cults or got rid of them and, and went forward. Yeah, yeah that, well, that's, that's another thing that most Christians forget is that there was a huge, huge number of different cults out there. And what we have in the Catholic Church is the one that was most powerful and killed off everybody else. Right. Christianity was very, very diverse before it became Catholicized. Um, now, did you know that they, they believe the, res- the resurrection of Christ didn't really happen the way that, oh, the New Testament says? They think that Christ, when he died, because there is no soul and body, basically. It's all one thing, right? So when you die, you essentially go to sleep, and when you're resurrected, you come back. Um they believe apparently that Christ was the body of Christ was annihilated by God and then he created a new one three days later. This is yeah. in Awake, uh, July twenty second, seventy three, uh, page four. Um, kind of bizarre that God would sort of totally annihilate Christ and then just kind of snap his fingers and recreate him. Why? Well, it, why does he do that with thing. Christ and just resurrect us? What's the What's the difference? Well, no, no, no. They they do the same thing. God does the same thing to us. This is right off of their website. They talk about how God creates a new body for us because oh. our old bodies are basically destroyed. Gotcha. Um, basically, this is what it states off of their website. God creates a new body for the resurrected one, similar to their former body, which for most had long since decomposed. The new body is mentally and physically healthy with the original personality and memories intact. They will be judged according to their deeds. So uh, because our bodies decompose, God just can't snap his fingers and have our bodies there. He has to create an entirely new body for us. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, It's no more stupid than anything else, I suppose. Yeah, you you can't go wrong here. (laughs) Lines and lines of stupidity. How do you pull one straw out of that hat? Yeah, um, absolutely bizarre. And I love their teachings on the, the anointed and and how the door was closed in 35. And, and so apparently only old geezers now have the possibility of being um, in heaven to reign with God. The rest of them will kind of be on earth in a paradise. Well, you and I have both put out predictions here where, A, they are going to be changing their uh, whole philosophy about this 144,000 because they're dying out, and B, that in the next 10 years, they're going to give out a new date for Christ to arrive in the world to end. Uh, I I disagree with the second one. I think they may have learned their lesson. I know you disagree with that. I I don't think they do. History has proven they cannot learn lessons. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all I got. Do you got any other um, interesting... 
tidbits on these crazy people? No, no. Actually, we we basically uh, covered the majority of it. They got a couple of small tidbits, but uh, we're pretty much out of time. So uh, people can research the small tidbits on their own. We covered the big stuff. You got any stumper questions for Jehovah's Witnesses? Stumper questions? (laughs) Yeah, if they come to the door. What questions would you recommend that they... Uh, our listeners ask them that we'll we'll stump these guys. I got one. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, mm-hmm. and uh, your organization is the only organization on earth that has God's full light, let's <laughs> see where this is going. <laughs> why was Christ's invisible return <laughs> moved from 1874 to 1914? <laughs> well, you know. To build off of that stumper question... I can see uh, how easy it is to move it because it was invisible. (laughs) (laughs) It was so invisible nobody noticed it, which is why it was so easy to move. (laughs) But is God right or is he wrong? And and are you guys with your um, interpretations right or are you wrong? If you were wrong then, how can we trust you now, right? Yeah. If you were right then, why did you move it from 1874 to 1914? Why have you been wrong on every end-time prediction? Why did you encourage people to sell your homes? That's what I'd ask them. And you'll have to produce proof at that point because they'll go into the overzealous were the ones that did that. Well, a better question to ask in about three years, four years, when the 8,500 have died off is, why is the world still around? (laughs) How about, now, since I was born after 1935, the best I could do is get into this earth paradise. Why was the door shut in 1935 when millions of people are, are continuing to be born every single day? Yeah. Another question. Why do I not have a chance of getting to heaven? Why? <laughs> Answer me because, that. Because you uh, drew the lot to be born too late. Yeah. Why is God such an asshole that I'm born now instead of before 1935? That's a yeah, good yeah, question. Wh- why wasn't there just a giant influx of women giving birth to like 14 people at a time <laughs> so we could make it into heaven? Oh, God. And ask them, what are you guys going to do? The, the maximum lifespan of a human being is about 120 years. <laughs> a, given the fact that you think that uh, this generation av- that witnessed the events of 1914 is the one. last generation, what are you going to do... In 1934. <laughs> 2034. What are you going to do in 2034? That's yeah. my question, too. Yeah, that that's a pretty good question. What are you going to do then? And, of course, they'll come back. Well, that God will come before then. Yeah, bullshit. That means then, you guys are actually... Wait. Then you say, can I quote you on that? <laughs> yeah. Wait, that means... By 1934, they have to put out a date, which means that you agree with me that in 10 years they're going to have a new date. No, I think they're going to change their doctrine. Uh, well, I think th- they're going to change their doctrines. They've already done um, it a dozen times. Once again, they, they do not learn from history. They do not learn from their mistakes. They're going to put out a new date. The last stumper question I would ask them is, uh, given the fact that the anointed have to be born before 1935... Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point in time, in the year 2009, if you were born in 1935, you would be 74 years old. Given mm-hmm. given <laughs> Alzheimer's, <laughs> loss of memory, 
and your general decrepit nature. Um, what are you guys gonna do in twenty years when, like the Mormons, essentially you're gonna be you're gonna be run by ninety year old people? The doctrines of the church are gonna have to be taken over by people who are not of the anointed. What's gonna happen? You're gonna have lesser people. What's gonna happen when we run out of anointed people? <laughs> <laughs> well, the people in charge of the doctrine are gonna be the lesser people. And, and yep. what's going to happen to your yearly celebration when you just set out a bunch of meat and bread and no one eats or drinks it? Yeah, exactly. That's my question is, if there's only 8,500 of the anointed around, then who the hell are these other thousand people taking the food of the anointed? <laughs> Unbelievable. So I think in, in this um, hour and, what, 20 minutes or so, we've demonstrated yeah. how ridiculous the Jehovah's Witness beliefs are. I still think they're probably a notch below Mormons as far as craziness. They don't have polygamy to deal with. They don't have to have this inherent institutional racism to deal with. Um, but they do have the, these many times and, the, and seemingly um, the uh, inability to learn from past mistakes over and over and over again. <laughs> I would they, have to the, say it's a level playing field at this I'm point. A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely amazed that they can still, with a straight face, go door-to-door -door and tell people that they're God's organization on Earth. I'm, I'm amazed. Stunned. Well, of course they can, because all the people going door-to-door, -door, I can guarantee you the majority of them are new converts yeah, who they, don't know the history. Ridiculous. All right, um, that's it. That wipes it up. Wipes it up. Yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's actually pretty appropriate. That wipes that, it up. That, that that wipes the crack of that one. All right. <laughs> that wraps it up for this episode of Irreligiosity. Go vote for us on the podcast awards. Yes, yes. Uh, and we will continue to give it the regular <laughs> reverence that it deserves. That we give everything else. See you yeah, next we'll, week. We'll, we'll buy him a prostitute so we can get laid. God. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. 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 I